You all right? All right. Awesome. Let's pray one more time. We'll get rolling. Father, thank you today for your word. Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts today. Uh, God, even as we just kind of chit chat today and just have a... Um, just more of like a family meeting setting. Father, thank you for coming and speaking to our hearts today. Jesus, we know you're so real, and uh, we just thank you for revealing you, uh, yourself, to us today. In your name, amen. So this morning is going to be a touch different. Instead of preaching a quote-unquote sermon today, I really just want to share with you a variety of things. And, and honestly, it's going to look like we're all over the map we are for sure, but, but we're going to kind of be all over the map intentionally. In other words, the things I want to say today, there's intentionality behind it. There's a purpose behind it. So, you know, hopefully I'll maybe indicate when we're hitting the blinker and we're turning. All right. So today, today is more, let me maybe describe it like this, more like a road trip. We're just driving around looking at things. Okay. So kind of the goal today is I just want to take a few minutes and I want to reflect on our last month, basically the, the last sermon series. And then there's a few things that I feel like God's just kind of been impressing on my heart that I want to share with you today. So we'll get rolling. I've numbered things. There's not really a number to it. But the first thing is simply this. Obviously, over the last month, we've been talking about a subject that is either new or challenging to a lot of people. And that's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And, you know, because of that, I basically I've just felt like I need to tell you guys how thankful I am, for a lack of better words, that you guys have been willing to, to, to hear it out, that you've been willing to hear what the Word of God has to say on that subject, and also not only being able just to hear it out, but also having the courage to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you in new ways. Truth is, is that's not easy. Yes, listen, I, I, have, I have definitely been there in my Christian walk where... You know, I thought God was one way and I was taught that he was one way. And then I transitioned to another season in my life and I found out that what I was taught in that season really wasn't the whole picture. And that was, for me at least, I remember probably the greatest part for me was basically on the love of God. And not the love of God, but faith. And when I made that transition in that world as a young believer... I remember basically being exposed to a teaching that I never heard of before. But the truth was, is that as I sat there and as much as my flesh was crawling and fighting the process of fighting the revelation, my heart and my spirit man couldn't argue with what was being taught from the word. And it, but it made me change uh, what we would call my doctrine of what I believed. And I, I'm glad I might have went dragging and kicking a little bit, but I'm glad I made that shift in my life. And so anyway, so I just want to say thank you for being willing to work through that process. And I'll tell you, there's more of that coming. Amen. There definitely is more of that coming. So an, another thing is this, is I just really appreciate it over the last month. And, and it's something I really appreciate about our church in general, that we value the spirit of unity. Because the truth is, is when you, when you hear messages like that, it would be real easy for one faction to get this way, one faction to get this way. But I'm just so glad you guys guarded your heart and didn't let that happen. Because a subject like that uh, can divide a church very quickly. So, and the enemy can come and have a an heyday. But it's really up to us to go, okay, God, protect my heart and let's stay in what the Bible says, spirit of unity. And you guys did that really well, so thanks. Another thing is this, is that I really appreciate this about last week in particular, is how you guys came with an expectation and a hunger. You know, it's so cool to think that, you know, I don't know, what, two weeks ago I said, hey, if you don't mind, hey, let's, let's fast and let's pray and let's believe God to do these things. And many of you guys did that. I, you know, from Jen and I, thank you. That's awesome. Because what's so cool is that 
you know, when we fast and pray, yes, for ourselves, but when we also fast and pray for other people, something is so significant about that in community. We live in a world today that is very me-centered. In other words, it thinks about ourselves. I've heard so many athletes say, I'm going to get mine. Right? I'm going to get mine. I've heard a lot of people say, I'm going to get mine. But there's something about the body of Christ that ain't, it can't always be about us. It's got to be about all of us because we're one. Amen? And so I just thought it was so awesome that you guys would pray not only for yourself but also for others to be baptized in the Spirit. And here's what's so awesome is God answered our prayers. Amen. I don't have some exact number, and I'm not looking for an exact number. I just know that there's quite a bit of people that we prayed for last week got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that is something to celebrate. Amen. That is huge. That is huge, okay? I don't know. I mean, for me, I mean, obviously every person that got baptized, there was something to celebrate. But even for me as a pastor, there were certain ones that I guess that got baptized in the Spirit that there was something of that held meaning for me. In other words, it was special even for me. Like there's one particular young lady that got baptized in the Holy Spirit last week. I mean, Jen and I have watched her about the last year just go through hell in so many different facets. And there's that peace as a pastor, even as a Christian, you go, man, God, I know you're real. Are you going to come through for that person? Have you ever been there? It's just like, man, come on, God. Is that too real? <laughs> right. So it's like, come on. And to see her get rocked by literally the power of God, it was like, <sighs> to me, it was more than than just awesome. You got a prayer language. It was like, yeah, you see that he's real. And that you know that he loves you and he sees exactly where you're at. That's what was so special. There was a, another couple I met with. actually met with them for three and a half hours two Saturdays ago. They were just kind of sharing their story with me. And they're not, they're not here today. They live uh, closer to Portland. But what was so cool is, is they were taught for years and years and years and years. Everything that, that I taught, basically, that's not God. Until they bumped into another guy's ministry they found out, okay, maybe something there is real about prophecy and about the gifts of the Spirit and all that stuff. And they ended up in a meeting. I, I think, anyways, they ended up in a meeting somewhere here in the New England area. And the, and the guy that was speaking said, hey, we want to pray for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit today. Would you come down? And so the wife, who basically was a pastor's wife for many years, once again, told not real. She went to the altar and said, okay, God, I want it. Her husband, her first husband passed away. And the husband she's married to now, or the man she's married to now, came down with her to kind of support her in the process. In the process, he got baptized in the Spirit, and she didn't. She's like, stink, right? So here's this this lady that's been asking for months and months and months and months. I mean, I think he got, I think it was uh, July when he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so she's been in this process of, of God, will, will you do it? I don't know what else to do. We've all been there, right? God, I don't know what else to do. I'm believing the best I can believe, all that stuff, right? And so it was so neat that we prayed for her. Nothing really happened. And I said to her husband, hey, do you mind praying for her? And I walked away. Then it happened. <laughs> That's cool to me, right? Because nobody's here trying I, you know, we're not trying to get gold stars. We just want to see it happen. And I just love the fact that her husband was the one that prayed for her. And, and I got a text from her, I think it was the next day or Tuesday. She said, Pastor, I've been praying in the Spirit for hours. Awesome, huh? Another testimony that I heard that I thought was really cool was there was an individual. First, she was basically just hearing this little part. But it was almost like she was wrestling with the little part that she got, you know. And then pretty much it was kind of like, yeah, one or two syllables. And then basically the thing unplugged and 
The encouraging part also in this, and I'll probably reiterate this in a second, this doesn't have to happen in a church. There's a lady that goes to church here. Some people prayed for her in the living room in the process of all of this. She got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And what's so awesome is here's this gal. And this is when you really know that it's real for, for people who are critical of this. When people start waking up in the middle of the night praying in the Spirit. You know, in other words, they wake themselves up praying in it. You can't make that up. That's like saying that you made a dream up. You can make it up. So anyways, but here's this gal that lived for hours, and she's just being rocked by the Holy Spirit. That's fun stuff, right? So let me maybe encourage you guys in a few spots. If you were some of the people that did receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit last week, I just want to encourage you, or if you have been in the past, continue to pray in the Spirit. Hear what I'm about to say on a daily basis. Please, on a daily basis, you'll find that the more you exercise your prayer language, that it will continue to develop and grow. Not only will it develop and grow, you will continue to develop and grow. In other words, you will continue to mature spiritually through the process. If you can kind of maybe imagine it like this. If I do push-ups once every three weeks, I'm probably not going to get too strong. Here, I'll pick on me a little bit. Okay, watch this. Today, I am super, super hurting in my body. I'm hurting really bad, to be honest with you. My left leg is like, I'm just like, chop it off. Here's why. I played, and Stacey, you can laugh at me, but I, I played two soccer games Thursday night. Two. And I'm so hard-headed, I said, you know what? I was tired. I was like, hey, I even pulled like a hammy in the first game. Kept going, right? But I said, okay, I can't, I'm not going to get better if I don't play. So I just, I, I got to stick it. I got to stay in the game, right? And so I kept playing. And I actually felt pretty good until I got home. The adrenaline lifts and then the real world comes to you, right? And so here we are, whatever days later, and I can hardly walk down the steps of my house because my left leg hurts so bad, right? Now, what if I actually ran every day? Well, I probably wouldn't feel this way, right? But because I decide to be a weekend warrior, whatever, on Thursday nights and go play uh, soccer once a week, well, guess what? I'm going to remain sore every week because this happens every week, okay? <laughs> So, but it's the same way that if I'm going to grow spiritually, then guess what? I got to, I got to do these things daily and not just occasionally, okay? Or it's going to feel awkward and strange and whatever. Your right hand me will hurt. All right. So listen, so I'm saying this because it doesn't really matter if you received a syllable or a paragraph. You just need to put it to use. You hear me? Work it. Work the thing. All right. So it's kind of like this. If God's word, if you do that, I just think God's word will become a reality in your life. And it's kind of this whole thing. Two thoughts here. We can't make a mistake because a lot of young believers or people that are new in this world, they make the mistake of thinking that they got to feel it like they felt it the first time to be able to do it. Does that make sense? In other words, that feeling that I had. Guys, most of the time I pray, I don't feel something. Right. But there's that side of of this when it comes to being baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the gifts of God are irrevocable. So he didn't give it to you at that moment. You felt something then took it away from you. No, he gave you a prayer language. Don't look for a feeling. Just step out in faith and use it. Amen. And once again, you'll find that the word of God will become a reality to you. And so it's kind of like this. And I just keep thinking about this. If Kind of look at it in a different light. If the Bible says that this will help you be a greater witness, guess what? It will help you be a greater witness. If the Bible says that it will edify you, then it will edify you. But there's that side for us that it's like this. I got to do my part. Real simple, right? I got to do my part. Listen, it's kind of like this. 
I remember when my first, I don't know, months of salvation, when I would try to witness to someone, we had some success, right? The word still works. Amen. It didn't really like work real well, okay? And then, and then when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, guess what? The first few times I still stepped out, it didn't work too well. But I didn't quit. When I got born again, I instantly knew I was going to preach the gospel. Instantly. Didn't, I've told y'all, I didn't want to, but whatever, God said you're going to preach. And I remember the, one of the first times I ever got asked to speak for a short, brief moment in a Methodist church in Kentucky. I think I told you guys about this. I got asked to speak, and I got up, and I remember I kind of stood on the right side, and I, and I did my little thing, and I shared, shared what I had, and everybody just stared at me. It was awful. I was awful, okay? And I went, here's the mic, right? And I went to the back, and I literally, at, at 18 years old, I went in the back, and I cried like a little girl. <laughs> Uh, what I said, I'm, literally, I said, maybe I'm not called to these priestly duties. <laughs> so, that's not your Libre. Y'all go watch it. Anyway, so I said, I, please go watch it. So, anyways, but I literally said, Man, maybe I'm not really called. Okay, I did. What if I'm not really called? Maybe what I heard doesn't really work. But thank God, guess what? Actually, a few days later, a guy came to me and said, hey, I feel like I need to share this with you. Okay, I didn't miss God, and I tried again, and tried again, and tried again. And guess what? It started working, finally. <laughs> started working. But I had to do my part in not quitting. And so it's kind of like this, that even today, even though the Bible says that when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, that you will see power to be a witness, it doesn't mean, once again, that when you step out to witness, that there's going to be some big feeling. Sometimes we're just there to plant a seed. Sometimes we're there to reap. And I understand, you know, it's, it's something crazy, like people got to hear the gospel, I don't know how many times before it finally takes hold. I think a lot about the scripture in 1 Corinthians 3, where Paul said this, he said, basically, I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. How do I know if I am, if I am there once again to plant or to water? I don't know my part of the process. I've gotten the chance to reap, but I'm just probably reaping where somebody else already sowed. Are you with me? So, so don't just do your part and leave the rest up to God. Amen. And we're really simple. Let me give you another reason. It's important for us to exercise basically the gift that God gave us because the enemy would love nothing more but to come and lie to us and tell us this, basically that, that you're just making it up. And, and it's like this, what I keep hearing that stop it. You're just embarrassing yourself. You look like a fool. You look like an idiot. And it's like, man, you're not only embarrassing yourself, you're embarrassing God. You got to understand something today that The enemy knows the power of praying in the Spirit. He will do anything he can to get you to stop because he knows the power. You know, somebody said last week to my wife, they said pretty much along the lines, I may not quote it directly here, but pretty much when they step out to go pray in the Spirit, when they start devoting themselves to that, basically all hell breaks loose in their lives. Of course it does. Because you've got to understand, once again, at at the point at the beginning, guess what? If I'm just kind of doing my thing... I'm not really a threat. I'm not messing with the kingdom of darkness. But if I start pressing in, start getting committed to what the Bible says, then hell's going to notice and he's going to try his best to discourage me to get me to quit. So if nothing else, guys, common sense here. Maybe it's real then. You know, why is the washing machine breaking? Why is this broke? Why is that? Why is it? 
man, he doesn't want you to get ahead. He won't listen. To, and we'll talk about it in a minute. But the devil wants nothing more than to rob you of your hope and to get you to quit. Nothing more. For you guys that came last week, just want to encourage you in this, and that you prayed and you did not receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you not to get discouraged. And not to quit seeking, asking, and knocking. Once again, God will do what God does. Amen. He will do it if we keep doing what he said to do. And, and so to kind of encourage you once again, that lady that I told you the other day, what I loved about her is that she kept asking. In fact, when I met with him three and a half hours, I prayed for my office. Right? She came again. I can't tell you how many times that woman has prayed. But finally, you know, for whatever reason, I don't understand it, never will. But God finally did it. You know, for me personally, I told you guys this the first week. I prayed for six months. God baptized me in the Holy Spirit, please. I will never understand, you know, church we worked out in Louisiana. I remember one Sunday night, we gathered up, and there was probably only, I don't know, maybe 30 of us there that Sunday night. We, we held hands. We were praying. And this little girl came in. She was born and raised Catholic. Came in. She's just in the prayer circle. Don't have a clue about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Boom. Look over, and she's speaking in tongues. And I'm thinking, who's that? Literally, I mean, just God divinely decided to do it. I had a buddy that her dad was a Baptist minister, told whole her life, that stuff's crazy, stay away from it. I'm not picking on denomination, y'all don't hear it that way. But she came to a youth camp we were doing, put my hand on her, and she started speaking in tongues. She didn't even know what in the world it was. And then she took two steps back, <laughs> and then she got a serious look on her face because it scared her, and then she, boom. All right. But there, here's why I love about that, because I love how people who basically, their hearts, they just want Jesus, and he shows up. But at the same time, I, I heard a story the other day about a lady that had been asking and asking and asking. I think she'd been asking for years, and she finally got to a point. She said, God, and she she took her Bible, and she went into her bathroom and locked the door. And she said, God, I'm not coming out until you do this. Boom. It happened. I don't know why. She obviously got some point of desperation, and God said, okay, well, whatever, we'll do it, right? So for a guy, a pastor I used to work for, he got prayed in a Bible study. Nothing happened. He went home, lifted his hands, and was just worshiping God. And as he was worshiping, then he it started coming. Am I making sense to you guys? The, the biggest thing is I just want to tell you guys is don't get discouraged. There's a, you know, I think I might have told you this the other day. But there was another guy that, once again, from a denomination, it's not true, it's not real. This guy was a pastor in that denomination. Somebody came in town, preached it, and messed with him, and they were wrestling with it. The wife received it. He was like, I don't know how I feel about that, but I'll pray. <laughs> and he prayed. And then, you know, a few Sundays later, he said that they were getting ready for church. And every time he had passed his wife, his wife would smile at him and kind of giggle. Did I tell you guys this? So his wife would smile and just kind of giggling. He was like, well, what's wrong with you, woman? Right? And, and he, finally, he finally just said, okay, look. She, she's like, because she kept saying, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. Right? <laughs> you women. Anyway, so, so he finally stopped and said, look, you need to tell me what's going on. She said, last night, because she knew he was kind of like, mm, about it. Last night, I woke up because you were praying in tongues. <laughs> so literally, this guy was literally in his sleep. Praying in the spirit. But what happened was, is, is his, and this is really what, what, where we, most of us struggled. It's where I struggled. 
that mind had to shut down and let the spirit receive. And then because and then he said later, he said this, he said, there was a few syllables, but I didn't want to say them because I thought I was crazy. thought I was wrong. So I I literally refused to speak them out. And so they came out when he was sleeping. (laughs) That's awesome, isn't it? Let's kind of shift gears a little bit. I believe that there's a powerful lesson for all of us to kind of learn from last week's service. And the lesson is simply this, is that when we take time to prepare our hearts before the Lord, and then we come to service with expectation in our hearts, God will move. Do you guys get what I'm saying? Let me kind of give you a thought, because I've been thinking about this the past few days, is I thought about how much time we take to prepare ourselves outwardly to interact with people on Sunday morning. In other words, this morning, hopefully, you took a shower, right? It is encouraged. <laughs> and so, good job. Or last night, that's fine. And so, that, that hopefully, you put on some deodorant. Hopefully, you brush your teeth, right? And, and by looking around the room, obviously, everybody got the memo. Nobody's naked. You put clothes on, right? <laughs> Yay, we celebrate you. Okay, so... But obviously, we do all of those things so we don't smell, so we don't kill anybody, you know, make anybody go slain with our breath or whatever. We do all of that so we can interact with people. And then I thought, man, what, what would happen if we took that kind of effort and that kind of time to prepare ourselves inwardly to interact with God? You know, all those years that, and I've told you guys about our youth camps and, you know, God coming and moving powerfully and, and, you know, going to special services and God doing all that. But when I take a step back and I get honest and I go, okay, Quentin, why did God really move during those times? Why did God show up and show out, right? Why did he do that? It's really simple. We'll, we'll throw it up here. I, I think it's the first thing that's on there. I just want you to see it in case you're a visual person. We simply remove the distractions. With kids, we did this. They show up to camp. We said, leave your phone with your mama. So in other words, that music they listened to moved out of their life, those conversations, those texts, all that. The kid has it. We took it. We'll give it to you at the end of the week. But we removed distractions. We removed uh, Facebook, all those, inter- all those things that take up people's times. There's no TV, all those things. And then we installed a morning devotion time. 20 minutes, 30 minutes, something like that. It wasn't really long. And then we added a 30-minute. Get that. Guys, look at that. 30 minutes. That's not long. 30-minute pre-service prayer time before service. The outcome, God came. It really wasn't something. In other words, we didn't somehow beat the kids and say, okay, today we're going to pray for seven hours, and you're going to sit there for three, and we're going to talk the word to you for three hours, and then we're going to have service. It was really just simple things. So imagine if we said, okay, on Sunday mornings, it would be better if we did it just in life in general, but Sunday mornings, I'm going to remove distractions, and I'm going to get with God, and I'm going to prepare my heart to come meet with Him. Then what would happen if we came? Because, see, here's kind of what I learned through the process, through all of this, is that if I could get a percentage of teenagers and percentage of adult leaders to commit to that, everyone else would receive the benefits. Because honestly, when we would go in our, in our 30 minute prayer time, we had someone leading, we had people praying out. If you looked around the room, you know, maybe 70% of the kids were really engaged. Everybody wasn't. But when it came time for altar and God move, you know, I told you guys the story of last week of even those people that weren't even in any of that. And they were just workers on the campground. They got the benefits 
of what we were doing. If you're with me, say, oh, yeah. Let me show you this. It taught me this. And hear this in a really good way, please. But all of this taught me that all of the responsibility of a service doesn't sit squarely on the shoulders of a worship team and the speaker. Meaning this, that Sunday mornings are really more corporate than we would like to admit. Does that make sense? That once again, it's all of us. Something that shifted for us last week is there was more people in pre-service prayer than there's ever been. Does God not hear those prayers? <laughs> Acknowledge that. Yeah. So once again, when we come, and it's not, please understand what I'm saying. It's not that we come with some, woo, emotional excitement. That's not what I'm talking about. We come with spiritual hunger to meet with him. And there's a big difference, right? In my opinion, the fire of God, being on fire for God, is not an emotion. It's being committed to do things when I don't feel like it. Because this flesh never feels like it. Great place to say amen. All right, blinker, let's shift gears. Enough of that. I want to tell you why I think the past month was so significant for us as a church. If you can, if you can uh, shake yourself to wake yourself, that would be good. So Jesus said something pretty powerful in Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine. I want to show you something. He says this, says, Jesus answered and said to them. In fact, let me set it up a little bit so you understand where we're at. This is when a few people came to Jesus, and they were the Sadducees, and... <laughs> So they came to Jesus and they said, okay, Jesus, let's say Jerome, that Jerome was married to so-and-so, and then Jerome died. And basically Moses said that if she didn't have any kids with him, that it's responsibility of Jerome's brother to take her as his wife. He really didn't use Jerome, by the way. So anyway, so they go through the thing, basically seven, seven men had her, and she had no kids. So when they go to heaven, which is funny because the Sadducee didn't even believe in heaven. They didn't even believe in angels. And so they were really just trying to capture Jesus, and Jesus knew their heart. And then he said, they said, basically, who's, who will be her husband when she gets to heaven? And this was Jesus' response. He said this. says, Jesus answered and said to them, you are mistaken. Somebody say mistaken. mistaken. The word mistaken there literally means you are in error. You are deceived or you're being led astray. Strong word. Why? Because you do not know the scriptures nor the power of God. Now watch this. We're talking about what God is wanting to do in our church, okay, or what he is doing, or why it's significant. R.T. Kendall, in my opinion, did probably the best job I've ever seen of someone explaining the scripture. But he actually talked about this basically, talking about how there's people who understand the scriptures, the word of God, and then there's people who understand the power of God. And what he's saying is because you don't realize both of them, you're in error. And so it's this, that, and he talks about how there's people who are, and we all met them. We got, we got people all around us like this. That they're word, 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 word. The gifts are gone. God's not moving. I mean, God doesn't speak. God, because clearly they had to hear God at some point to know. The God. Anyways, all right. So these people that are, that are word, 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 word. And if you mention anything of the spirit, man, that's heresy. We've all met those people, right? Yeah, okay. I was going to give you a personal example, but I won't. All right. And then you got these other people over here that are all spirit, 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 spirit. And they're the kind of people that basically it's this. They'll go, God gave me a dream last night and blah, 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 blah. And if you say, yeah, hold on, Chuck, but the Bible says this and your dream doesn't line up with the word. They say, I don't care. I know it was God. They're in error. They're being deceived, okay? Because your dream does not supersede the word of God. Amen. All right. So 
Y'all follow me? Okay. So basically what R.T. Kendall said, and I love this, it's beautiful. He said that in the church there has been a divorce between the word and the spirit. So true. Literally, I mean, I have I have friends that are in this camp that wouldn't know the Holy Ghost if you walked in the room. And then I have friends over here that they're in a freaking circus. I love them. And, and both, but listen, they love God and they love God. But there's been a divorce in their hearts between the word and the spirit. And so what happens is it's it's basically basically this. This is what the past few weeks have been about. It's been about us trying to establish a culture in this church where what R.T. Kendall says is that we need a remarriage between the word and the spirit. You get that? In other words, we need to marry the two so that we can be a healthy church. Right. And because once again, we don't want to be in error. We don't want to be led astray because we lean way too much this way or we lean way too much this way. People who do that, I personally stay away from them. I do. I like people that I think that understand both. I'm not saying that they got to be perfect in both, but I'm about people in both. And let me maybe say this. These people over here tend to be super dry. Really, really. I mean, like, dry. Okay? Like, oh. And it's tough going to those churches. And maybe I shouldn't say that, but it is. Man, it's tough, right? It's, uh, you know, I I love the way our pastor's son said one time when he would go to the church my pastor grew up in, he'd say, Dad, how can we go to that church and it lasts an hour and it feels like four hours? And we come to our church and it lasts four hours and it feels like an hour. Maybe because there's a balance, right? But, I mean, it's just tough. And then you got these people over here. You're just thinking, my God, you're going you're gonna, to uh, explode at any second. <laughs> right? I don't do well with chaos either, personally. But it's like what I wish I would love to tell my brothers over here is if you want to be really, really prophetic, then you better be really, really, really grounded in the word because that's what God speaks. And so people who are not grounded in the word that are prophetic, I very rarely take what's the word I'm looking at. I don't take what they say real meaningful. Does that make sense? Because because most of them, if they're not grounded there, if they're not anchored in the word, they're just flighty. So once again. The purpose is to remarry the two. And I love the way Jim Cimbala of Brooklyn Tab said this. He said, all word, you dry up. All spirit, you blow up. With both, you grow up. That's brilliant. Simple, but brilliant. And that is so true, gang. Are are y'all hearing me today? So if you're here, lean this way and fall really quickly that way, okay? If you are here, please, for the love of God and the sake of God and for the credibility of the voice of God, please hear me. Lean this way so you can fall into here, because this is where God really wants to move. These people are trying to hold the ancient boundaries. Great. Appreciate it. But let's go over the the life of God's moving. He didn't die 2000 years ago and, and stay dead. I'm restraining so many things I want to say. And, and, and over here, it's like, hey, awesome. We, we love your energy. Love your zeal. But come on. God's not the author of confusion. So, once again, all word you dry up, all spirit you blow up, both you grow up. So, I personally believe as we continue to put an emphasis on the word and the spirit, 
as we value the teaching of the word, because we're going to. That's who I am. We're going to value the teaching of the word. But we're also going to value the moving of the spirit, because I believe in the moving of the spirit. We believe in the moving of the spirit. Listen, that if we do that, God will reward us. So understand something. Let me say one more thing here. These people get super offended if service doesn't have a three-point sermon and a poem in it. I really need to get off this. It's like, listen, the Trinity is once again not the Father, Son, and the Holy Word or the Holy Bible. These people can't understand why we have to have a sermon. The spirit of revival is both. That when you're here, there's weeks, once again, as the spirit leads, we'll go there. As the spirit leads, we'll go there. But we're going to follow the spirit because he's in both. Who wrote the Bible? The Holy Spirit. All scripture is God breathed. The Holy Spirit is the breath of God. He's the one that wrote the Bible. He is the biggest supporter of the Bible. In fact, the Holy, listen to me. You people, the Holy Spirit, number one task is to reveal Jesus. Who is Jesus? The Word. Are you hearing me, y'all? That was free. All that free. Just take it. Just receive it the first time. <laughs> All right. Here's why. Because if we can break down those walls of religion and tradition, and if we can break down these walls... That have gotten so traditional in their hating tradition. So true. You can hate something so bad that you become it on the opposite end. If we can break those walls down, if we can break those walls down, if we can get back to what the real gospel is, then guess what? We'll see the gospel moving in our midst. What's the real gospel moving in our midst? Once again, here, is anybody getting saved? No. They don't want what you got. Here, we can all get in the corner and prophesy to each other all day long. But is anybody getting saved? No. Listen, they have to come together. Listen, I love that world, and I love that world, but I like it better when it's together. Amen? That's not pointed at anybody, but I'm just talking, okay? I got, once again, I got friends in both worlds, and I don't tell them, so I'm telling you. All right, here we go. So... <laughs> That's awesome. And did you, I tell them if they were open. All right, here we go. It's this. When the gospel is on display in our midst, guess what? People get saved. People will get delivered. People will get set free. They will get healed. Amen. Listen, people will. Listen to me. People will get discipled. They will get discipled. That's the Great Commission. Discipled. The gifts of the Spirit will move. The fruit of the Spirit will mature. And uh, guess what? People will begin, when they're in a healthy spot, will begin to make a greater impact in their community. Because, it's once again, it's here. I need the Spirit to lead me in the Word that I have. Because the, it's not the letter of the law. It's the Spirit. Right? Of life, right? I need the Spirit to direct me. Here, I can hear and I can step and I can do all those things. But there's got to be word mixed in with it for those people because that's how they get born again. Right? This is me and where I get grieved in this spot. It's like if I walk up somebody and I'm so for gifts of spirit, but if I give someone a word of knowledge, then I go, bless you. I love you. And then I walk away 
then what good does it do for them if they don't somewhere in the course of that meet him? You get what I'm saying? I just, ah, come on. And then it's here, it's just like, man, they just browbeat you to death. And where's the love of God? Right? God loves to move. Someone screen. God loves to move when and where people put a value on what he values. Let me say it again. God loves to move when and where people put a value on what he values. What I'm saying, church, is this. Let's value what he values and let's let him come. He values those things, but he values this more. Okay? It is a balance. So let's value what he values and say, God, come. And he will. Amen? Can we go a little long today? Are you okay with that? I'm sorry. Listen, there's not many buffets around here anyways. <laughs> All right, let me just say this and we'll get done, okay? Because it's kind of setting us up for next week. For the next month or so, so if you can kind of set all that to side, let's go here. So for the next month or so in my heart, I feel like God wants to put a greater focus for our church. I'm talking about anybody else, for our church on prayer and fasting. In fact, I feel real strong that what he wants to do is he wants to redefine. Everybody say redefine. He wants to redefine how we look at and how we approach prayer. And not only does he want to redefine it, but I think he wants to prove and reveal himself through it. And it's like what, the, what I hear is this, is that basically he wants to restore our confidence in it. He wants to restore our confidence in really what it means to pray. And I believe the first area of redefining that he wants to do in our hearts is this, and please don't miss this. If you haven't heard anything today, just grab a hold of what, the, what we're going to talk about now. Is that he wants us to see prayer as more than just asking for things. I think what's happened is, is especially in the church, we have narrowed down in prayer so much we've lost the meaning of it. And what I mean by that is this, is that the truth is basically that asking or petitioning God it's only a fraction of what real prayer is really about. Are you all with me today? But once again, it appears to be, not judging, but it appears to be the main focus that a lot of people have. In other words, that when they, when they think of prayer, I need to approach God and I need to ask him for these things. And what happens is, is because they've looked at it through that simple term, they've made prayer more into a crisis thing than what it really is supposed to be. In other words, I, I do life. I don't have nothing to ask for. I don't have nothing for. Hell breaks in our breaks loose in our life, and then we run to God in this crisis mode. God, will you please move? I've said this before, but I'll say it again. You know, we live in the greatest country in the world, the greatest country in the world, and we have the greatest military in the world. Now, can you imagine if you know we came from Fort Bragg? If at Fort Bragg, if they sat around every day and ate potato chips and ho hos. Right. And never ran and just kind of sit there and sipped on iced tea because it's the south. So and they just sat there and just watched movies and bummed around and did all of that until somebody flew into the Twin Towers. And then they said, oh, now we need to go train. We would get our butts handed to us. Are you, are you following me? But because those guys don't sit around eating potato chips, eating ho-hos, watching TV and movies and doing all that stuff, because they stay trained. I have, obviously, you know, we have buddies there. Call them, hey, I'm going here. I'm going to go pray. I'm going to go train. Pray for me while I'm going. All right, awesome. And so those guys stay training, 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 training. So when the crisis does come, they're ready to respond, and they're ready to win. Are you with me? And the reason many Christians lose 
It's because they sit around eating potato chips, ho-hos, watching movies and all of that. And then crisis happens. Then they run to the cross and they wonder why the cross doesn't respond for them. But if you stay at the foot of the cross, when crisis comes, you're a whole lot better to respond and heaven will move. Am I making sense to you guys? Because the truth is, let me say it this way. If I live over here in fear and doubt all the time and unbelief, because that's where I'm at, really, if I'm not there. If I'm there, when I respond here, watch this. If I have a habit of unbelief and doubt, I'm not going to I'm not going to somehow get that to change instantly when that crisis comes. And so most of my prayers that I'm praying are really in fear and doubt. They're not really in faith. Is that too honest? If it doesn't feel like it's crisis, then what happens is it feels like if I don't have the right attitude, the right proper perspective of prayer, then it's more, it feels more like a duty. D-U-T-Y. Uh, I'm country. I know I say that guy. Duty. All right. So got four kids. Duty. So it's, then it becomes more of a D-U-T-Y, a duty, an obligation, than it does a joy. Here's where my mind goes. If God is our best friend, a friend that's closer than a brother, if he's our first love, if he is our father, shouldn't it be a joy to be with him? Listen, I've never met anybody that dreaded being with their best friend. But if Jesus is supposed to be our best friend, then, hey, good to be with you. Right? Amen? So simple. That's why we got to be confident what just that real prayer is centered around relationship. Real prayer is simply that. It's, it's working the relationship. And, and true biblical prayer consists of these things. Adoration. This is what should be happening in our prayer times. Adoration. Worship. Communication. Two-way. Speaking. And spending time listening. Communion. Confession. Intercession. Praying for others. Meditation on the Word of God. Meditation. Petition. Praying in the Spirit. Submission. Obedience. Everybody say Obedience. Amen. And thanksgiving. All that should be kind of happening. In fact, I was talking to a guy yesterday, and he talked to me about a, and a way he used to train people because he used to run uh, basically prayer schools. And they would list out an hour of prayer. And there was five minutes, and he didn't give me a list. This is just things I know, but let's say this was our list. Then you'd have five minutes in every one of those areas. And he got five minutes for your petitioning and asking. Five minutes out of an hour. Because, once again, the rest of it should be full of all these other things. But what happens is if I run to God and get my five-minute time of asking at the wishing well, then I walk away. Guess what? I'm going to be really unsatisfied in my spirit. I'm going to feel really lean in there. Amen? If I'm not spending quality time in relationship with him. But we'll go on that more later. It's those who understand all those different facets there of relationship with God. Those are the ones that know how to do this. What we find in Hebrews 4.16. I'm sorry, 4.16. It says this, and we've all heard it. Let us therefore come what? Boldly. Boldly to the throne. If you're taking notes, just write down Matthew 6 there and write down Psalms 91 and go read those two. We may talk about them later. But let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. That is, outside of salvation, that's the greatest invitation in the Bible. Do you know what I'm saying? That we have been invited to come before the throne. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah? That we have, listen, we have that luxury through the blood of Jesus to come there every day. That's awesome. 
So let me share a few things with you. And I don't know. I feel like I was supposed to share this with you today. Someone share it with you. Let me give you a few testimonies of prayer. And I've got to go fast. So there's this guy down in Mexico. This guy got born again. He owned a big ranch, very wealthy man. And, uh, and at his ranch, basically, the missionary asked him, hey, can you host this conference we're going to have? And he said, sure, I'd love to do that for you. And he was told, basically, that there should be about 80 people that would come to his house on this certain Saturday. And he said, awesome. He goes, if, if you guys do that part, then I will feed them. So he goes, since his, actually he's a very rich man, probably sends kitchen staff, to go buy 80 pieces of chicken, tortillas, beans, and rice to feed 80 people. The only problem was, is on Saturday, 250 people showed up. This is a true story. I'm not making this up, by the way. Okay, And as a new believer, and in that culture, that if someone comes to your house and you don't feed them, not just once, but twice... And as much as they want, then it's considered as very disrespectful and basically shame comes upon you. Him knowing that, we got 80 pieces of chicken, 250 people. He grabbed his wife, new believers. God, we need you to move. Watch this. He look, here's where his faith was at. Kitchen staff, you don't eat. <laughs> let's start serving this food and let's just see what happens. 250 people get plates, right? The guy, the rancher, comes back into the kitchen, and the kitchen staff's eating. Why y'all eating? Look in there, the same amount of chickens in the pot, same amount of tortillas, same amount of rice, same amount of beans. Then he goes, very scared, goes to people, um, would you like some more? And he said he was praying inwardly, please don't let them ask for more food. Every single person said, that is so good, we want some more. 250 more plates. So we're at kitchen staff, I want to say, I think it was six people. So we're at, and they ate again. So we're at like 512 plates. We had 80 pieces of chicken. God moved in the meeting. All kinds of miracles happened that we don't have time to go into. They went back. Everybody goes home. Same amount of chicken, same amount of tortillas, same, still there. The next day, on Sunday, the whole staff, I think it was more than six people, I think. Maybe it was eight. They, uh, they all ate again. Monday, they ate again. Tuesday, they ate again. Wednesday, they ate again. Thursday, the guy's wife said, I am tired of eating chicken, tortillas, rice, and beans. Everybody fix enough plates until you take it home. Everybody took six plates home, and then it was done. Wow, huh? Right? So, all right, so that's one. Let me give you another one, all right? I know this guy. It's Pastor Al, so we'll just say it that way. Pastor Al, when he was 15 years old, uh, some of you guys may have his old pastor, Pastor Brian, used to be up underneath. At 15 years old, he was not uh, a saint. And uh, he decided to steal his father's car and run away from home. Okay, so he stole his dad's car and he decided to drive south. He lived right there on the border beside Myrtle Beach, a little town called Tabor City. And, uh, and so he headed south and uh, dad, dad knew he was gone, knew he was in trouble, knew he didn't have any money. And dad started to pray. So dad just prayed, God, protect my son, get my boy home, blah, blah, blah. Don't have a clue where he's at. And pastor is in the middle of nowhere, 15 years old, scared, lost, 
and about to run out of gas. And he don't have a clue, once again, where he's at, doesn't know where gas station's at. And so he is driving, and there's a man hitchhiking. And he says he's in a plaid shirt, all those things, tall guy. And he said the car, he said, I, you know, he was a 15-year-old boy. He was scared. He can go stop and pull up, you know, get somebody. The car, he's like, what are you, what's happening? What am I doing? Pulls there, and he said didn't even give time for it, you know, to accelerate. The guy opened the door immediately and hopped in. And he's like, and he said, uh, where are you headed? And he told him the story. I'm lost. I'm da-da-da-da-da out of gas. He said, okay, here's where you need to go to a gas station. Taking your gas. That's praying, okay? Gets gas, and then he goes, son, you really need to go home. Let's go home. Turns the car around, starts going home, and he starts uh, driving. And, the, and they get to a spot, and he finally, he was going for hours from home. He finally gets to a spot and goes, oh, I know where I'm at. And the guy goes, are you sure you know where you're at? He said, I know exactly where I'm at. I'll just have to go this road, this road, this road, and then I'm home. The guy goes, stop the car. He goes, let me out. No, let me take you. He said, let me out. He stopped the car. They were in the middle of basin area with swamps. He said, the guy got out and he walked, and he watched him walk into the swamp and disappear. Watch this. Pastor said not until years later, I think like 20 years later, he was sitting in a service, and a guy was talking about angels being ministering spirits, about people entertaining angels when they didn't even... No, they were angels. And then it dawned on him. He just began to weep. He realized that was an angel. I've heard several stories like that. But you understand, but, but why did it happen? I, actually, it says, thank God for a praying dad. Amen, that God answered those prayers. So let me give you uh, another one. There's a guy, Jen and I were, were reading this devotion, and uh, <laughs> this is so cool. So this guy, he's a, uh, a major general. Basically, he was head of all the chaplains in the Air Force, and he retired. And he was very much a guy submitted to the Holy Spirit, very much um, understood spiritual authority. And pretty much the wording that it gives us is that when the Lord would speak, he would simply salute and say, yes, sir, and go do what he heard the Lord say. Well, one morning the Lord woke him up at 545 in the morning and said, you need to go get a pair of glasses. Glasses. He said that his wife had been after him for years and basically, you need to go glasses. He said, whatever, whatever, whatever. But this was different. God spoke to him and said, you need to go get glasses. And so he went to, because no place was open at the time, went to Denny's, got breakfast, right? And then went to the nearest shop that was open as far as to get glasses. And he walks in behind the counter and he told the woman, you know, I was there. And then he, he heard the Lord say, tell her you're a chaplain. He said, I don't want to tell her I'm a chaplain. Or is that, you know, he said he didn't want her to think, well, I'm looking for a military discount. Listen, if you're a retired major general, you don't need a discount, all right? So you're wealthy. So anyway, so he reluctantly saluted, yes, sir. He said, by the way, I'm a chaplain. And the woman looked at him, started trembling and started crying. And then she began to say this. She said, she said, my husband is in the military and he's abroad. And I just found out I have cancer and I don't know what to do. And my friend and I prayed yesterday, because I don't know what to do, that God would send me a, a chaplain to tell me what I need to do. Only God, right? Let, let, me, let me give you another one. This one's probably the coolest in my opinion. I like this. I'm going to read it so I don't jack it up. So let me give you, let me give you a fast version here. This guy, his name's Ken. He's an author. He was on vacation with his family, and he was in Ohio, and they decided to stop and get some lunch. 
And so they stop and get lunch. His wife and his kids run into the restaurant. He decides to stay out and kind of stretch his legs and walk around. And while he's walking around, he walks to this gas station parking lot. And the, um, what do you call them? The phone booth. Shows how long we've changed, huh? The phone booth, uh, basically the phone started to ring. And it kept ringing and kept ringing and kept ringing. He finally said, well, maybe it's an emergency. Maybe I should answer it. And just thinking, you know, for some others, he picks his phone, hello. And the operator says, is this Ken? And said his last name. He said, you have a long-distance call from blah, 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 blah. Now, watch this. Let me, let me just read it here. So, so all right, it says, the phone kept ringing. Ken thought it might be some sort of emergency, so he answered it. He heard the voice of the operator who said, long-distance for Ken, said his last name. Ken almost passed out. He said, you've got to be kidding me. I was just walking it this way, told the operator. You've got to be kidding me. I was just walking in the middle of nowhere and heard this phone ringing. The confused operator said, is Ken there? After making sure there, wasn't, there weren't any candid cameras, he said, this is Ken, says last name. A voice on the other side of the line said, Mr. My name is Millie. I'm from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. You don't know me, but I need your help. What's this? She went on to explain that she had just written a suicide note, but had decided to give prayer one more shot. She said, God, I really don't want to do this. And as she prayed, she remembered seeing this guy, Ken, on television. And she thought to herself, if I could just talk with him, he could help me. Once again, she says this was pre-Google days. Obviously, if they're in a phone booth, right? Only Superman goes in those things. Said making it extremely difficult to track him down. As she prayed, some numbers popped into her head. And she wrote them on a piece of paper, and she couldn't help but think, wouldn't it be wonderful if God were giving me Ken's number? <laughs> then Millie said, I decided to try calling the number, and I couldn't believe it when the operator said it was you. Millie asked Ken, are you in your office? When Ken said no, Millie sounded surprised. She said, then where are you? Ken said, you made the call, don't you know? She said, I don't even know what area I'm calling. I just dialed the number on the piece of paper. Do you get that? God gave her the phone number. And then he said, well, you won't believe this. I'm in a phone booth in Dayton, Ohio. Millie replied, what are you doing there? Ken said, answering a pay phone. <laughs> and then it said he went on and he said this. He said, I walked away from that phone booth with an electrifying sense of our Heavenly Father's concern for each of his children. What were the astronomical odds of this happening with all the millions of phones and innumerable combination of numbers? Only an all-knowing God could have caused that woman to dial that number in that phone booth at that moment in time. It says when he hung with the phone, he walked over to the restaurant, sat down, still stunned. He said this, you won't believe this. God knows where I am. Wow. These people don't like those stories. These people love those stories. All right, anyways, all right, so... Now, let's get down and we'll end. Okay, I went way too long today. So here's where I honestly believe we're at today. Okay, I said all that because I think we all love to hear stories like that. We all love to see that God moves, but there's something inside of a lot of us that says, God, why do you do it for them and not me? Y'all getting quiet. Isn't that so true? So watch this. Here's a verse that the Lord's really impressed in my heart this week. If we had anything to share today, this would have been where we had went. So listen, okay? So Luke 18, 1 through 8, I, I think it's God telling us where we're at. It says, then he, Jesus, spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray, and get this last part, and not lose heart. Don't get that. The men always ought to pray and not lose heart. In other words, not lose hope. 
and I'll just say it, I'll just say it this way before we go. Here's the picture that I have is that there's things that we have prayed for for years and because they haven't come to pass or a period of time, we've lost hope. The enemy's won. He's defeated us in our praying and we've laid that thing down and we've decided to walk away. That's us. And then says this. There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard or respect man. Says now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, God, get justice for me, for my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her. At least by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. Says, and shall God not avenge his own? Elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them. Verse 8 says, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. And here's the thing that keeps us in hope. It says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? See how he bookends that. Praying and losing hope, but yet here's people who say, you know what? Man, am I really going to find faith when I come? See, and it's, it's this really, once again, as I prayed this week, I just felt like it's that thing. It hadn't came to pass. We lost hope. We lost faith. We've, it's not going to happen. And we've walked away. And, you know, I remember, for me personally, for years, my first few years of salvation, I prayed for, uh, I think it was four things and a wife. And I finally said, I'm not going to find her. Okay. If I told you what they were, they're so simple and so silly. But I said, man, I'm not going to find her. And I finally gave up. And here's my thought. I'll just be honest. There's no pretty girl that's like that. Is that okay to say that? In other words, one, one, one that I was attracted to. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Okay, we all got different tastes and all that. And I, but I gave up. In the, in the morning that I was, watch this, not eating potato chips and ho-hos. But the morning that I was in prayer seeking God, relationship, the Lord spoke to me and said, Jennifer's your wife. And then he began to show me the four things that I laid down, lost hope in, and walked away from. And he began to show me that she was every one of those. And I kept, this is what I heard the Lord say, and I've told you before, but I kept hearing him say, and it was almost like there was a, one of those gongs in my stomach. He was just hitting it. It was that strong. And I kept hearing him say, Quentin, I'm honoring your prayers. I'm on with everyone. Boom. He showed me that that's her. That's her. And he was literally showing me. You prayed that you prayed that I'm honoring it. Are you following me? My own family. I finally went, you know, these jokers ain't ever going to get saved. Ah, come on, God. Do you even hear me? Let it down, walk away. And then what happens? They start getting saved. And it's like, but here's here's the powerful truth is our prayers really outlive us. And our prayers have a way to outlive our faith. You can write that down. That was good. They outlive our faith. Right? Because we get in the moment, God, you're there, and we ask crazy things. And then we walk away and get in the natural. And then we go, I can't believe I prayed that. But God heard it in that moment. So here's what I want to do today. Really simple, okay? I brought some index cards with me today. And I got a few pens up here. Don't be a thief. Return them. Okay? Don't steal the pastor's pens. All right. Here's what I want to do before we get, we leave today, okay? And I'll just say this for offering. You have an offering. Throw it in the back. We're going to play some music. If you need my phone, I can give you my phone. 
And here's what I want to do. I just want us to lean into God and go, Lord, is there anything that I've said, forget it, and walked away from? Are you following me? And, and maybe it's this. Maybe it's not. That's not you. That's lost hope. Maybe there's just something you want to see God do. And here's what we're going to do. Easter is 31 days from now. 31 days. And what I am personally believing for is that we're going to write these things down. And here's what we're going to do. Not because there's something magical about this, but it's just symbolic in our hearts. Today, before we leave, I want us to write it down. And I want us to put it at the cross. And I want you to do two. I want you to do one that you lay there. You can fold it up, do whatever. Nobody's going to read it. And then I want you to write one and take it with you. And I want you over the next 31 days to pray like you haven't prayed in a long time. And believe like you haven't believed in a long time. But I don't want you to make it, once again, all about asking. Because, once again, I feel like God's just saying, look, if you just come be in relationship with me and focus on relationship. And it's okay if you ask during relationship, but don't make that the main goal. Make just being with me. Watch what I'll do. And I'm not saying he's going to answer everyone. You know, I don't know. God has, I'm just trying to be obedient to my little piece. Okay? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And then I'm going to lay, Jen's going to lay some cards down here if you need a card or if you got something. It doesn't have to be on the index card to be your own piece of paper. I just brought that in case anybody didn't have it. But write it down and just, I mean, I have things I'm going to put there that I want to see God do. Okay? And and I'm just going to say, Lord, I trust you. And uh, once again, that we would come and do what the Bible says, that we would pray and not lose heart, not lose hope, but just go, Jesus, we need you to move. So can we stand to our feet? I think sometimes to get uh, bold answers, we need to ask boldly. So my encouragement to you today is this, is don't be broad in what you write down. Be specific in what you write down. God, Listen, if God can find a, a doggone man in, in uh, Dayton, Ohio, he knows where you're at and he, can, and he likes being specific. If you go back and if you look what was in the tabernacle, it was very specific. So don't be broad. God... Uh, save my family. No, write a name. God, here's my daughter's name. God, here's my son's name. God, here's my Aunt Pookie's name. All right? R- write that name down and believe that God hears what we want you to do. Amen? And it could be, listen, it could be, uh, once again, I'm not limited to salvation. It could be anything. Anything. Let's just believe God. Okay? So let's pray. And Rachel, continue to play. Thank you for coming. And then you just come, make your way. But do me a favor. I want every single person in here to do this with us, please. Every single person, okay? So let's pray. Father, I thank you today for your people. Lord, I thank you for their uh, desire to know you and walk with you and to just be intimate with you. And God, we are a people that don't want to just sit back and hear other people's testimonies. God, we want to have testimonies uh, for ourselves of God, of how you've marked our lives. God, you've invited us to the throne, Lord, the throne of grace. Lord, you've invited us on the journey uh, with you. Father, you've invited us to be a part of uh, part of your history and so part of your story. And so, God, we just ask today, God, that even as we're sitting here, God, is there anything that we need your heart on? God, that we need to say, uh, okay, God, I'm going to come in agreement with this, with you, that you're going to move. And so, Lord, even now as we're here with our hearts open wide, God, will you drop names and things and whatever it is, God, that we're supposed to believe for over the next 31 days. And God, help us to just focus on just building a relationship with you. Once again, teach us in the next uh, you know, month, God, redefine what prayer is for us. 
redefine it that it's not us treating you as some wishing well, as someone who is there at our beck and command, but you're actually there, God, for relationship. And so, Lord, thank you for coming and just moving in our hearts. Just say this with me today. Say, Holy Spirit, I give you permission to rearrange and redefine anything and everything in my life. In Jesus' name.